This is where the industry insiders come to play. The download on the download, movers and shakers off the course, and the pros inside the ropes. Welcome to Slice with Brian Bushlag. Okay, show of hands. Do you remember what playing golf was like at this time in 1995? Well, Tiger Woods was a 19-year-old freshman at Stanford, about to play in his first Masters, do you even remember who won the Masters that year? <laughs> How about Ben Crenshaw? Back then, we barely had the internet. In July of 95, in fact, a little company called Amazon launched its first website. And the hottest cell phone... Are you ready for this? The Motorola StarTac. Remember that one? The flip phone. It replaced the brick for many of us. <laughs> Now, I picked 1995 because this was really the last pre-Tiger and pre-Tech year in the history of golf. On the golf course, if you needed yardage back then, I mean, most of us, you'd find a sprinkler head or just guess, right? Zero technology in golf at all until about four years later when these guys from Seattle who moved to Scottsdale got the idea they could somehow use satellite GPS overhead to measure the yardage on a golf course. <laughs> we can do that? Well, I guess so. What's even crazier is they actually convinced people to invest in that idea way back then. That company was and is Golf Logics, now the industry leader in golf technology and the most downloaded app in the history of golf. And one of the guys who founded the company, Pete Charleston, Fasten your seatbelts now for what's been a wild 20-year run on the leading edge of golf technology. Hey, Pete, thanks for joining us. Before we talk about the latest technology from Golf Logics, I want to rewind the clock 20 years, hard to believe, way back to 1999 when you co-founded this company. And 1999, for those of us that were around, we'll remember, of course, the end of the millennium. We were afraid that ATMs would not spit out cash. There was fear of pandemonium at the end of the year. And of course, all of that came and went. But what in the world made you guys decide to launch this crazy company? Well, it is hard to believe that it's been uh, almost 20 years coming up here in May is when we actually incorporated the company. So I was a late bloomer to golf. You know, I was a basketball player, played in college, really got out of college, never really played golf, didn't pick up a club and moved a business down here. Of course, everybody plays golf down here in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, you know, I started playing and of course I get hooked, right? I, I'm, it's the only sport that's been really, really hard to, to figure out. And I got hopelessly hooked and myself and two other guys started talking about why isn't there a way for you to track what distances and, and how far you hit clubs. And that's how we started it off on that premise. How much Seattle DNA was involved in this. I mean, you've got Microsoft, Amazon here now, um, a big tech community. Were you a techie when you left Seattle? Or, I mean, how did that come about? I was not a techie, but one of my co-founders is actually my cousin. He grew up in Laurelhurst and 
ended up going to college down here at ASU and never left. When we moved our prior business down here, he and I were involved in that and that's how we started this. So he's very techie. I'm more on the kind of sales biz dev side. Okay. So back in 1999, 2000, then from a technology standpoint, I think we are quick to forget, right? Mobile phones back then were primarily what? Flip phones, Blackberries were maybe coming into vogue back then. But I mean, from a technology standpoint, we did not have these big screen smartphones, uh, so I want our audience to really rewind the clock and think about what it was like in 99 and 2000. And you have this idea to essentially map golf courses, be able to gauge distances and all that stuff. Where do you even start? <laughs> well, BlackBerry was probably just a glimmer in someone's eye in 1999. <laughs> to take even a step further, GPS was really just getting started and the general public really didn't know that much about it. We ended up trying to develop a GPS device on our own, realized it was going to be fairly difficult. And at the same time, at that point, a small little company called Garmin, who's a household name now, launched this product called the Etrex, which was this device to helpful for hikers and people kind of going down that path. And we pitched them on our idea, and they agreed to partner with us. So we wrote all of the golf software, and they produced the devices that we could in turn sell and lease to the golf course. So we were way ahead of our time. Okay, so you've got really the first piece of the puzzle then, so then you have to execute on it, which is, I have to say, it's great to have these ideas, but then you sign the contract, and it's like, okay, now we've actually got to go do this. So what was that like? You have no idea. And, and our original, <laughs> we actually received a patent on our original idea, and that was to kind of log the real game performance data while out there in the golf course. So essentially tracking your shot. So, hey, I hit a driver on the tee box. Hey, I hit a six iron in the fairway. This is where I landed. This is where I landed on the green. Or this is where I missed the green. I, I chipped, and then I two-putted, and I got a bogey. Well, we had to use this device not meant for golf, and not user-friendly, not touchscreen, with a series of button presses that tracked the user while they're out there. They had to manually enter this. And then at the end of the round, you plug this device into this little kiosk we created for the golf course, and it provided you with a th three-page color printout of each shot, where you landed, what club you hit, how far you hit each shot, your average distances. So all of these things that seem really cool, but at the time, boy, was it tough to get golfers to actually play golf and interact with this beefy device. Yeah, golf's hard enough without toting that thing around. I remember some of those early devices, though, and I mean, how quickly we became spoiled. I mean, what you're talking about, if you did that, then you got the printout at the end of the round. I mean, back then, that was, you know, like the days when you would get a fax and you would think, wow, this is really cool, right? Oh, it was it was tough. And, and ultimately... We went down that path for about a year and realized that we were just too ahead of our time. And, and what golfers really wanted was GPS distance. And at that point, there were no other devices other than those fancy cart-mounted systems that had been around since the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. But they just weren't on very many courses. So we switched our model at that point and said, all right, let's create a device for the golf course that they can in turn hand out to their golfer. We essentially created the, the first 
handheld GPS device for golf for use at the golf course. Okay, so let me ask you about that, though, because here you are, you launch, you've got Garmin as a partner, and you're going to pivot. Okay, what's that like? I mean, take me back to that moment in the company, because that could have been disastrous, right? I mean, if you make a change or you you don't know what's going to happen, I mean, what was the mood back then in terms of that decision? Well, the funny thing is that that's pivot number one, as we'll get to in this story, <laughs> uh, one of many that we were forced to make. And yeah, you have to go back to your shareholders and many of which were from Seattle, you know, and tell them, hey, look, the, the, this great idea that we had and that we received patents on, it's just not going to work. We're too ahead of its time. Let's strip this out. Let's go back to the basics. Let's provide something that's kind of easy, fast and fun and work with the technology that's out there. And the other thing that we had going against us is that at that point, using GPS was technically illegal, according to the USGA and the RNA. So we were also running against that tradition. You talk about timing, too, and and you mentioned Seattle and all the tech friends that we have in that community. And I've heard so many stories over the years of, yeah, we had that in 2002 or 2004, and it's something that a Netflix type of thing or something that was there from an idea standpoint, but the delivery vehicle, either via the internet or whether it was streaming or whatever, was not there. So you're you're getting into that territory, right, with this, where this isn't even legal yet, and yet we're developing something that we hope might be adopted, right? No question. And we were fortunate enough, we got on Pebble Beach, we got on Valderrama, you know, I hired distributors all around the world to sell our product to different courses. So we really did do a good job of penetrating the market out there, but it was never going to grow the way we all want it to grow. And fortunately, the USGA came back and as did the RNA and they changed their stance on electronic measuring devices. So in January of 06, when they announced their rules, they did make this electronic devices okay according to the rules of golf, which Skycaddy, which had started a few years earlier on a Palm Pilot, (laughs) they had already been selling directly to consumer. Now, once the USGA changed their stance, we went back to our investors, pivoted again and said, hey, guys, let's raise a bunch more money and then let's sell the consumer. So that's a lot more devices we can sell. And luckily, they agreed. We raised more money and came in right behind Skycaddy as really the second person to sell directly into the stores and the green grass and the retailers across the country. Pete Charleston, one of the co-founders of Golf Logics, joining us here on Slice. And was that the big breakthrough? I mean, was that it where you knew, okay, aha, we're on to something here? And I mean, that blew it open for you? Oh, for sure. The economy was good. And golf was still humming along. And the solution that we had to come up with was how do we get a bunch of maps for all these golf courses and how do we do it really quickly? So my partner started doing a bunch of research and Google imagery, which we all know is just commonplace. We have all these directions and all these things. It was just really getting launched and you had this satellite imagery. And so he wrote this algorithm that allowed us to basically map courses without having to go visit the course. And it was incredible when we realized that we could actually do this. We realized we couldn't rely on Google at that point because it wasn't accurate enough. And so we found this company that supplied 
the U.S. government with satellite imagery, and we, you know, made a contract with them. But we were essentially able to map, you know, 35,000 courses in a matter of like a year and a half worldwide. And we launched in 2007 with this consumer device and followed it up with a, a newer version in 2008 and just blew the doors off. That's Pete Charleston, co-founder of Golf Logics, and up next we'll share how they were able to scale this operation. I mean, you've got golf courses all over. How do you get them mapped? Well, they took a different approach than the competition did, and it paid off big time. A reminder, coming up in a couple of weeks on Slice, we'll welcome Short Par 4 CEO Bobby DeMeo to the show. And in the meantime, get free shipping on your first custom curated box of apparel at shortpar4.com. What happens when a washed-up sportscaster and hack golfer gets his own podcast? Well, this is pretty much it. Welcome back to Slice with Brian Bushlack. And continuing our conversation with Golf Logic's co-founder, Pete Charleston. Yeah, they had this idea to map golf courses for GPS, and instead of hiring guys to literally walk every golf course in America, Golf Logics put their faith in the eye in the sky, the satellite, and that mapping was a major breakthrough. But back then, at the time, get this, they were laughed at. Oh, yeah, and and they were basically, Skycat, he was making fun of us, saying, oh, you can't do this, it's inaccurate. But at the end of the day, satellite imagery we were pulling, I mean, you were seeing logos on people's hats. If someone was standing on a course when they took the photo, you could zoom in so close, you could see the cart, you could see the golf bags. So what we were using was amazing. The technology was there. And, you know, it's just a matter of how fast and how much money we needed to raise to get to market as quickly as we could. Okay, but even then, Pete, right, as great as that was back then... I mean, iPhones are just coming into existence about that time, right? So that whole thing, we had no, really no social media. I mean, I guess MySpace was around. The thought of what even is an app at that point was not even in the lexicon, right? So so you're, you're onto something, you're selling this thing like crazy. What at that point, you know, you'd pivoted. What's next? I mean, what are you thinking at that point? 2008 was our big breakthrough year, and it was our second version of the GPS device. We put together an infomercial when they used to have the full 30-minute uh, infomercials on, on the Golf Channel, and Costas and McCord were our pitch people, and we had this great infomercial, and we were the number one infomercial on the Golf Channel that year. I think we spent four or five million bucks on TV advertising that year. It wow. was it was nuts. We were on once or twice a day. So we built this great brand name in Golf Logics. And the more we advertised, the more devices we sold, not only directly, but the more the retailers called us to get more devices, which was unbelievable. So in the midst of all this success, the best year we've ever had, we felt it in Phoenix, kind of here was one of the markets. You felt this, whoa, the economy, whoa, what's going on here? Like the bottom fell out of our market. And we're like, oh boy, like, golf's in trouble here. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be an issue. Why is someone going to spend $300 on a device? And at that same point, this Blackberry curve is out and they have GPS on board. And so we started talking like, boy, what if we wrote an app for a phone where someone, they already have a phone and all they have to do is now purchase the app subscription. 
And at the peak of our, our sales spike in 2008, we went back to our, our shareholders and our board and we said, guys, I know it's going to sound crazy because we're doing really well, but we need to develop for an app. Like this is, this is the future. This is where it's going. And luckily they agree with us. Uh, we raised a bunch more money and we started working on it in 2008. We launched on ironically the Blackberry curve <laughs> in 2009 in January. And followed that up with the Apple 3G, which was the first iPhone that had GPS on board. We launched that in, in August of 2009. So we we're essentially the first company to, to provide a, a GPS app for golf. So you you launched on a device, a BlackBerry, that no longer exists, right? It was just crazy. And ironically, the, the screen was super tiny, hard to work with. Yeah. And that was what we launched on. And it took off like crazy. I mean, BlackBerry was so big within the business community. So, you know, everybody had them and a lot of the businessmen golf and they used our product and it just, I mean, it went off like crazy. And then we launched the iPhone and, you know, a month later and that thing just took off and we were, we were signing people up left and right. Talk about the evolution of the technology since that point, because I mean, as a consumer, you know, you feel like, okay, it's, I don't want to say it's the same because we've had some pretty significant advancements, but in terms of the platform, the model, the phone, the delivery, that hasn't changed. But in terms of the technology, that has made some pretty significant advances, right? The battery alone is the single biggest thing that's changed. I mean, there was a touchscreen right out of the gate, so we had that functionality. Obviously, everything looks better now, but at its core, those first phones, when they came out, the battery of life was brutal. Yeah. Literally, we had to coach people. The hardest thing in our product was, hey, make sure you lock your phone after you look at each shot. After you look at each distance, whether in the tee box or you're in the fairway, make sure you lock your phone. Because they didn't even have auto lock back then. Okay. So your phone would just sit there and, and run with that screen wide open. And someone would make like a quarter of a round and their phone would die. <laughs> so, you know, we were, we were making commercials and tutorials like with stupid sayings like, lock it and put it in your pocket you know just really just <laughs> like just trying to be so obvious because people that was our biggest complaint back then it wasn't about the accuracy it wasn't about the functionality of the product it was the fact that the battery didn't last the entire round and talk about that evolution to not only technology but in terms of the use of the app and these devices you know it was initially we're using it for distance right and that was primarily it with the the gps but then now we have the the green mapping technology, and, I mean, that is in another world that I don't think even really a few years ago anybody even imagined, right? No, and and first of all, we're always looking, as you can kind of see through my story here, we're always looking for ways to pivot and change and invest in, in new technology and stay ahead of the game. And I want to say about three years ago, we saw this one of these green books that these pros were using, and it was just starting to become popular on tour and we're like what are they doing what are they using what are they looking at and you know we were finally able to track one down and be able to take kind of a peek at it we're like oh wow that's really cool they're providing the green t contours for every hole that these pros are playing on and so they're able to kind of confirm that their their reads are right and we're so boy if, if the pros can do it why can't we do it for, for the consumer and why can't we do it on a digital basis so we can serve it up through our app well it took us two years to get there. So it was extremely difficult, both in the technology side, the, the data gathering side, 
and the really the user interface side to get it done. But we got it done. We're the first company to provide really a digital view of every green that people play on out there. Now, you were at the PGA show. I was at the PGA show, but we didn't connect because I know you were busy and I was busy and we were in and out. And you know how that thing goes. But uh, you unveiled this with putt breaks. Talk about the specifics of this and what this does to really take the next step and revolutionize the game for everybody. We were able to launch putt breaks at last year's PGA show, but we really didn't have many courses done. We put our marketing behind it kind of mid-year last year in July, learned a lot about the user interface and and how people would interact with it. Mm -hmm. And last year's version, what it did is it showed the green and then it zoomed on. You told it where the ball was and you told it where the cup was and it zoomed in on your, we call it kind of your flashlight view. And you, as the golfer, had to say, okay, look, I can see arrows pointing slightly downhill and moving to the right. Okay, that putt's outside left moving downhill. We realized you had to rely on the, the golfer to actually digest and then interpret this information. So what we went to work on and what we launched at this year's PGA show is, is what we call the putt line. So we, using a physics engine and some AI, we are able to, or some AR, we are able to actually tell you the optimal place to putt the ball to. So you basically drop the ball in the putt on the green and you press a button and it says, read my putt. And it literally, AKA Tiger Woods golf, it actually shows you the putt line and it tells you, Hey, this is an 18 foot putt. It is four inches downhill. Here's your putting target, which is 12 inches short and four inches to the left. So it's like having that caddy standing behind you, whispering in your ear, hey, Pete, it's going to be slightly downhill. I want you to hit the ball right here. (laughs) I laugh because we have had the caddy, and now we have the technology, but you still have to execute on the shot, right? (laughs) We haven't figured out how to fix that yet, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it's one step at a time. One of the things that we saw out there and identified this need is that so many amateur golfers just cannot read greens. And I'm one of those guys. I am too. I, I'm actually a really good putter, yeah. but I can't, I don't know how to read the putt. Me neither. And it's nothing more frustrating when you get out there and all right, whatever. I mean, I'm not a pro. I'm going to have a, a, a three putt or two in a round, but when you get that second three putt and it's because you missed on the wrong, you totally misread the putt. You missed on the wrong side of the hole and you have this six foot comebacker, which you also miss. You're like, God, man, I, I hit the fairway. I got the darn ball in the green, yep. and then now I three-putt? I mean, <laughs> it just – you start going sour on the game. And so, you know, our goal is to kind of eliminate that three-putt. Let's let's have golfers have more fun out there, play faster, you know, score better. It's an evolution of the, the game of golf. It's early. How well-received has this been so far? Man, it's been great. Once we get people out there – to use it and understand how powerful it is and, and how easy to use it is, the feedback has been fantastic. I, I think that people have to get past the fact that, yeah, you got to take your phone out in the green. That's a little different. It's not part of your routine. But you know what? If you watch me do it, and I've done it a 100 times, you won't even notice I'm using it. And I, I'm walking out there. I'm still having my conversations with my playing partners. I'm marking my ball. I'm doing all the things I normally would. But at the same time, I'm pulling up the green and I'm dropping that putt and ball down there. And I've got my putt read 
and, and I'm putting without having to go walk around the back of the hole. I'm not having to second guess myself. I'm literally, I'm so confident. I've never putted better in my life. And I, and I don't mean this to sell a product here. I'm like telling you personally, this has changed the way I play golf. Pete Charleston, one of the co-founders of Golf Logics, joining us on Slice. And uh, Pete, it's funny because when Samsung came out with that Galaxy Note phone, I was one of the first to grab it. I mean, I love the big screen. And I mean, I remember this was probably five, six years ago when that first came out. I mean, if you were carrying that phone back then, people looked at you and laughed, right? I mean, the, the iPhones were were tiny, right? And, you know, here we are now, five, six years later, and practically everybody has gone to the bigger screen, which certainly has got to help when it comes to the, the app you're talking about, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you, you're looking at this nice big green and, and we, we built in this augmented reality tool that basically the greens in 3d almost, and you're looking at your phone and wherever you're aiming your phone, wherever you're looking at it. So if you're staring from your ball to the cup, it automatically rotates that green towards what exactly what you're looking at. So it's extremely simple just to, Oh yeah, I'm standing here. Yep. Ball's right here. And just, you put your finger on the screen and you just swipe. Yep. And you stop right where the cup is. Yep. Cups right here. Perfect. And boom, it reads your putt and it's, it's nice and zoomed in. And it's got this colorful line that tells you if it's uphill or downhill. And it, it's telling you how far to aim to the right and left. And boy, it really takes the guesswork out of the putting part of the process. Oh, yeah. They've got a 4.7 rating in the App Store. Enough said. And a great way to get into the Golf Logic app as well. You can actually check it out for free. We'll tell you more about that in just a bit. Meantime, our Cutter and Buck promo still in play until March 31st. You can fill up your cart and save 20% site-wide with the promo code CBLIFE at CutterandBuck.com. He's number one in foot wedge accuracy and ball drop consistency. Brian Bushlack is back with Slice. And back with Golf Logic's co-founder, Pete Charleston, the company based in Old Town Scottsdale. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. And you know, the cool thing about living in the Scottsdale area, obviously, lots of great golf courses down there. And Pete's also a member of the famous group that stages the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the Thunderbirds. I am, yeah. It's been, you know, we came down here to raise money for a prior company, and I came down here as October, when we all know October in Seattle. You can start getting that doom and gloom. The Indian summer of September's over, and, you know, it was 52 and rainy in Seattle. I came down here, and it was like 95 and sunny. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> people live like this? This yeah. is unbelievable. So I was fortunate enough to move a prior company down here, and now I've been down here for 20-some for years. And, you know, boy, it's it's almost sunny every day. Almost every day is a good day to golf, and it's just been fantastic. And I was lucky enough to get invited to be part of the Thunderbirds who helped put on the, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. I've I've gone through 11 Opens as a, a member of this great group. And for those of you that haven't been down here for this tournament, it is uh, it is amazing. Have you been to the tournament? Yeah, I've been down. We were down there a couple of years ago with the Seahawks and the Super Bowl. And uh, that was the year Tiger had the blow up and the, the yips. And what's amazed me about this tournament, and you've seen this, is even just in the past three or four years, I mean, we've watched the, the stadium around 16 
get even bigger. I mean, this there are grandstands and stadiums in places that there weren't even just a couple years ago. Every year, we, we laugh. We, it keeps biggering and biggering, to quote. I think that was Dr. Seuss. But <laughs> it's a group of, of these guys, and we're all volunteers. And there's 55 active guys under the age of 45. And then once you turn 46, a younger person comes in and replaces you. So the success of our group has been around, you have these little two-year stints. You're the chairman, you're the assistant chairman, then you're the chairman. And every one of these guys wants to do a better job than the guy did before him. And that's why this thing keeps changing. Like, well, screw that guy. I don't care if we did it that way. Let's do it this way. Let's build another thing. Let's build it higher. And it's incredible. And, and as long as the economy keeps moving along... 16 is about as big as we can get it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, almost 20 plus thousand fans on one hole, completely surrounded. Now we have number 17, which this year was way bigger than last year. That thing's almost surrounded. And for the first time ever, 18 is now really growing. So it's amazing to me. Yeah, what's great about that tournament, too, it's one of those tournaments where it's on a, a public course. It's not exactly a cheap course to play during the winter season, but for the average golfer, if you want to go out there and you want to hit that tee shot on 16, whatever time of year it is, right, whether the grandstands are going up or not, I mean, you get that experience and you get to say, okay, hey, and then you watch it on TV in late January, early February, and you go, oh, yep, there's that, <laughs> there's that bunker. There's where I was. I mean, I think that's what adds to it, right? By the way, it's a nice course, but when you play it without the grandstand, 16, you're like, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. But if you're lucky enough to play it within the two months before and two months after when the grandstands are up, and you may have four workers up in the stands banging things and putting together, just having those four workers and that stadium up changes your whole experience. Your hands start shaking. You're like, <laughs> uh, you know, and you, you half the time you have a pitching wedge or a nine iron in your hand and you can't hit the green. That's awesome. Now, tell me this, too, from a, not only a fan perspective, but I guess we can call you a native now down in Scottsdale. You've been down there over 10 years. You know, there was so much talk about that tournament that it had gotten too big or it was too out of control. The players might not come to Scottsdale and play because of a lot of factors there. I didn't hear that as much this year. Were there steps taken to kind of curb that or what happened behind the scenes, if anything? Well, there's always stuff going on behind the scenes. You know, we work with the tour hand in hand. We've got thousands and thousands of volunteers. We've obviously got paid security. We work with the Scottsdale PD. We want the best players in the field to come every year. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that their experience out there is is, as good as the fans' experience. So we really stepped up the way that we allow people to move around the course. We have more of the Thunderbirds out there walking with groups, just trying to Hey, hey, guys, calm down, have fun, but be respectful to the game of golf. And I think this is the best year we've ever put on. It's record-breaking years with respect to revenue and, and the amount of we haven't, you know, we generally don't know how much we're going to give away until all the final bills come in from what we've built out there. But this year, by far, is going to be our best year ever. And I think we're going to announce a massive number. We gave away over $12 million last year to local Phoenix children's charities. And I think this year will be will definitely surpass that. So it's a great cause and, and super fun. Well, Pete, congratulations on the success of Golf Logics. I, you know, I tell you, as an entrepreneur and executive myself, I'm really fascinated with the story. 
the pivots you made at key points, the technology that kept improving and you keep adapting. And it's, it's funny. I mean, if you look back at that business plan from 1999, 20 years ago, this may, right. You, you go back and look at that business plan. You probably would go, wow, it's, it's pretty amazing. Oh, we, we actually have a, with that three page color printout that our patent was based on that I told you about, we actually have one up on the wall in our kind of, uh, a fictitious name, John Denton, was just this name we made up. And we actually, the very first thing we did, we followed a pro-am. This is before I was a Thunderbird, but we followed a pro-am at the Phoenix Open. And we actually followed uh, Phil Mickelson. So we actually have a printout of Phil Mickelson's round as under the, the name of John Denton framed and on our wall. It's uh, <laughs> It's been a long run. That's awesome. Well, congrats on the success. Next time I'm in Scottsdale, I'm going to look you up. We'll get out there, and uh, I'm going to check into this this green technology, too, because uh, I'm I like you. I, I'm the guy that has a heck of a time reading a green, so this sounds like it's just for me. Oh, it's unbelievable. And, and what we offer everybody, we're so confident in this, is that whether you're going to the, the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, it's a free download, and then we provide all of our features for free for two rounds. So we kind of put our money where our mouth is. No strings attached. We're not billing your credit card. You go out, you use it. And if you, you like it for forty nine ninety nine a year, you get access to any pub breaks or any golf lodges course around the world. And then if you decide that this isn't for you, even as a free member, we provide you with an image of the hole, like a 3D image of the hole. Uh, we give you a distance to send the green and allow you to keep track of your scores and stats. So this is a uh, a no-brainer for for anybody out there to try. It is a no-brainer. And while we're wrapping up the show, head over to golflogics.com. You can view demos there, download that free trial from either the App Store or Google Play. Also, check out upgrade options. It's only 50 bucks a year to get everything included. That includes distance, pin, approach, putt breaks, uh, the club tracking, and no ads I joke about the only thing they can't do for you is hit the shot, and I'm sure that's coming soon. <laughs> Thanks to Pete Charleston for joining us, and thank you for downloading this edition of Slice. Next time, we'll take the Tommy Bahama Tour through Florida with stops in Naples, the new Marlin Bar in Coconut Point, and a stop in Sarasota. And I wasn't a Mai Tai kind of guy until I tested the new frozen Mai Tai, and now I'm hooked. We'll leave it at that. Thanks for the download. We'll talk again next time from the Florida Gulf Coast on Slice. Thanks for downloading Slice, a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Full disclosure, our legal department doesn't allow mulligans. 